I mean, I was one of those girls. I was in the world of prostitution. I was in those hotel rooms and I didn't even know what human trafficking was, you know, and um, even though that that was over 25 years ago, I first learned of human trafficking in 2016, even though in retrospect, some of those girls that were in the hotel with me, I remember the boyfriends, you know, quote, boyfriends always lurking around and treating them a certain way. And I would say to some of these girls, because they became my friends, I guess, um, why do you let him talk to you like that? Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. If you are new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, Welcome back. If you want to learn more about the work we're doing coaching leaders, head over to ronhuntley.com. Today's episode, we're going to tackle human sex trafficking. It's an issue that's both prevalent and hidden. As churches and parents, this is not a subject that we want to bury our heads on. My guest today has a message of redemption and hope and is on a crusade to impact this practice and educate people at risk. Cheyenne is a courageous woman with a generous heart for others and a personality and smile that lights up any room. Enjoy today's conversation. Lift off and the clock has started. During my time at St. Benedict Parish, one of the things that we got started with my friend Adam, shout out to you, Adam, if you're listening, is the men's leadership gym. No, we did not lift any weights. Uh, the gym stood for God, you, and me, and it was a way to get a group of men together, which I thought was impossible in the Roman Catholic Church, but it happened, and only once did we ever have a female come and present and that lady is with us today. It's Cheyenne Jones. Cheyenne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you. So am I. It's, uh, you're always still tons of fun to spend time with. And so this is a real blessing that we're making time to be on the show today. When you came uh, to the Men's Leadership Gym, you just had such an important message of awareness and impact and hope and redemption. It was that the men just incredibly responded to. And it was so fun to have you there. And I was hoping we could crack open a little bit of that today and just maybe share some of the messages that's on your heart because I know you're taking it to a whole new demographic in this stage of your life. And we'll talk about that more as the show goes on. But but share, why don't you share with us that message that God's placed on your heart? Sure. Now, if I if I if my memory serves me correctly, that was probably about like six years ago, something like that, maybe. Probably was. Wasn't yesterday. Yeah, it was, it was quite some time ago. And I remember it significantly because it was at the beginning of when I started talking publicly about my story. Yes. And in this whole journey of self-awareness and self-discovery and letting people in to, you know, the path that I had in my life, mm. I made a decision to push myself through the healing process. And when the opportunity came to me to speak with this men's group, at first, I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I'm, I'm not doing that. Right? No way. And, no, I'm not doing it. 
And then, you know, you know, what it, you know how it is. You, you just feel that, that, um, those hands on you and you're kind of like, yeah. this is where God wants you to go. Mm. So I was like, okay, let's do this. And the reason I did that was because I, the reason I chose to go was because I wanted to look fear in the face. Mm. I wanted to be um, comfortable being uncomfortable because for so long I built up all these walls around me, not letting anyone in, not, you know, keep people, people at a distance. Mm. So now I was coming face to face with an opportunity to tell a bunch of men about my childhood trauma where, you know, I was abandoned by my father. I was sexually abused by the time I was four years old. I had witnessed a lot of domestic violence and I was a confused, angry child. And with, you know, long lasting childhood effects because of that trauma. And then, you know, by the time I got to high school, I was, I was just a hot mess. You know, on the outside, I'm vibrant and I'm tall and I'm athletic. And, uh, you know, I have a, a, a great personality, I would think. And, um, but on the inside, I was tormented. And I was broken and I had all these headaches and nightmares. And I, during my high school years, I was promiscuous to try to, and I used drugs and alcohol and parties to try to fill this void that, you know, I felt this emptiness, this brokenness. And within a couple of years, you know, I had, I had a, a abortion. I tried to, to, to uh, take my life. And then eventually I walked into the world of prostitution mm. and I stayed there for several months until one day I just realized I did not want this life to be my destiny. And as easily as I walked into that door, I walked out and never looked back. So I, so when I walked into that men's group and I'm telling them my story, I stood there and it was about letting these men know of how God can redeem you mm. first and foremost look what God has done, you know, because I, I spent so much time trying to hide these secrets. I never told a single person run, yeah. like not a single person and about any of this. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm like, okay, God, it's me and you. I am taking this to the grave with no apologies. Right. And so when I was standing there in front of those men, um, I was, I was afraid I was frightened, but at the same time, I was proud of myself because I was like, okay, Cheyenne, look, look what you're able to do. Mm. Look what you're able to get. It's, it's going to be okay. It was pretty powerful because I learned, I, I saw some things in that session that I didn't think I would ever see. First and foremost, I, those men were so, were so receptive and so responsive and you know what? I'll just say it. I, it was my first time in my life where I ever saw Catholic men so open to worship. Like even, yes. I don't know if it was beforehand or afterhand, we were playing music. And I mean, I was watching men with their hands in the airs and tears coming down their face and holding each other. And I was like, what world is this? And how come I never seen it before? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, I spent about 12 years in this small Roman Catholic town of about 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. And that is not my experience with Catholicism. So when I saw these people so openly in love with God, it just, 
it just, there's a part of me that said, see, look, some men are okay. Some men can express themselves. Some men are in love with God. And I just felt like, um, I felt like I was comfortable. I felt like I was in worship with family and it was, it was a defining moment. I'll, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that experience. You're going to make me cry. That was uh, so. <laughs> That was such an important, it was such a, it was a beautiful day. And I know everybody there will never forget that day. Yeah. It, one it, of the things I appreciated about you in there is, is the vulnerable. I didn't know the full extent of that vulnerability till we unpacked it later because we did after that, after you shared and after we did our praise and worship and our prayer time and our intercessions and stuff. And then you and I unpacked it a bit more and you shared with me what that was like for you. And I didn't know going in that, that, I mean, it didn't surprise me that that would be difficult, but this, the depth of it. And I just saw your courage. I I just so much respect for you. Like, it's like, I just love that. And and what I love too, is those men, they do, they love Jesus. And, and boy, when you love Jesus and you're around people, they'll have your back, you know? And I just, they just really, they just, they just really appreciated and cared for you and loved you. And, and they were totally transformed by you sharing your story. And one of the things you said, and, and this is very normal when we go through things that, that are traumatizing or that can bring shame or that we don't want anybody to know, or we feel like we could judge, we're taking that to the grave. But when we share our story, we bring so much healing. So much. And that's where the power comes in. That's why the scripture says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome. Like, yeah, sure. I I could have kept all this inside and I could have died with it all inside. Not anyone would have known. Mm. But to be able to share that. Like that's where, that's where freedom comes in. Mm. I was never free, oh. but to be able to stand up and to share my story. I mean, it's, it's an act of healing. That's what that is. It's, a, it's an active act of healing. And actually afterwards, after that meeting, I'm remembering a couple of the men came up and started telling me their stories. And then I feel, I'm feeling empowered by their story and their strength and their courage and the fact that they hadn't told anybody and the fact that they're telling a woman who they do not know. You know, iron sharpens iron. Amen. That's the beauty. That's the power. Iron sharpens iron. So when I talk to you and then you talk to me, it just takes healing and growth and, you know, personal development, our faith to a whole nother level. And that's powerful. You cannot tell me. Angels are not dancing and singing when people start sharing their testimonies. You cannot tell me. You cannot tell me. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. It's it a really beautiful is. thing. It really is. And that's one of the reasons I love Alpha so much is because, boy, you, you sit down with a bunch of strangers and the first couple of times it's a little bit awkward. And then by week three, you realize, now nah, I'm really looking forward to seeing these people. And then by week four, they're really good friends. And each week you get to pick up a little bit more of people's stories. And as you know, their stories, you can't not fall in love with them. That's right. Like we That's all right. have stories. And, and so often people come away from Alpha and say, you guys know more about me than the people I grew up with my whole life. Like, and it's because it's, it's, it's rooted in a relationship with Christ and built on vulnerability-based trust. Like that's the best friendships ever. 
that's right. And it's like, a, it's like a no judgment zone. Like, you know, you walk into a service and there's hundreds of people, 50 people, even 10 people can seem like a lot when you don't know anybody and everyone's sitting in their pew and they're looking forward. So the only time you look to the side is when you have to go to the washroom or scoot out or, you know, the pastor or priest or whomever says, say hello to your neighbor. Right. Then right. you put yeah. on hello. But when you're actually in chairs and you're sitting in a semicircle, as you do with the alpha yeah. courses, and you're sitting beside each other in the little horseshoe where there's maybe what, six, seven people. Yeah. It's like a healing circle. Like you're sitting around and you're like, okay, this is comfortable. And it's the same people over and over again. And then you're hearing their stories, which is encouraging you to be able to let your walls down. And then you're admiring, you respect the person next to you for what they did and what they were willing to share, what they've gone through. It's a beautiful place. It's, it's like one of those places. It's like the ultimate place of privilege. That's mm. what that is to be able to, to be in company with someone who isn't, who's reached a place in their life where they're able to share with you some of the most innermost secret parts of who they are. That's, that's a place of privilege. That's what really I think. Is. Yeah. You're on holy ground, aren't you? When, when, yeah, you really are. Yeah. You really are. Yeah. And it's something that I, something I cherish for sure. Yeah. We don't take that for granted. And so, and, and what I love about it, and I know for for the listeners in different parts of the world, because we're just in Nova Scotia, kind of a small place (laughs) in the big picture. Um, But, but human trafficking is, is actually a big issue in our community versus even the rest of Canada. Like, it's like, Oh, that, stuff just happens in really poor areas or big cities where there's lots of drugs and crime that stuff wouldn't happen here but it is an issue here like and and those are some issues that you've kind of spoken into and and are advocating for tell us a little bit more give give our listeners a little bit of a perspective of of who that reality ends up hitting and 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 kind of probably the dark side that Many people, many of us aren't even aware of in terms of what's happening out there. Yeah, you're right. It's, um, it is happening on a major scale. It happens locally and globally. And the majority of us don't even know. I mean, I was one of those girls. I was in the world of prostitution. I was in those hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what human trafficking was. You know, and um, even though that, that was over 25 years ago, I first learned of human trafficking in 2016, even though in retrospect, some of those girls that were in the hotel with me, I remember their boyfriends, you know, quote, boyfriends, always lurking around and treating them a certain way. And I would say to some of these girls, because they became my friends, I guess, um, why do you let him talk to you like that? Why do you give him your money? Why is he always around? It bothered me. I didn't understand it. But in 2016, I went to a fundraiser and during that fundraiser, I started hearing about human trafficking. The people were on the stage. They were talking about, you know, um, abortions and prostitution and human trafficking. And to me, that's where everything started to change for me. Because up until that point, remember, I had never told a single soul about any of the trauma I had went to or any of those dark spaces I had gone to. But as I'm sitting there, you know, all dolled up with the rest of the 400 people, I could hear the Holy Spirit saying to me, okay, Cheyenne, this is where you start to heal. Give me, um, give me your pain so I can start to heal you. 
And I was like, no, I'm not giving it to you. We were fighting 100% back and forth. I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Cause I know what's going to happen. If I start, if I give you my pain, I'm going to be right up on that stage telling my business to all these strangers. Cause I know how God works in my life. And guess what, Ron, a year later, Cheyenne Jones was up on that stage as keynote speaker telling the same group of people about her story. But we fought and it was very, it was intense. And it was to the point where I, I was praying and I said, God, please, because I was about to fall down on the ground and do that really ugly cry, you know? Yeah. And I was like, God, please don't do that. Don't, don't mm-hmm. make me get to that place. Mm-hmm. And then I heard him say, um, let your life, no, first, first of all, he said, uh, give me your pain so I can heal you. So I can put you back into those places where there's girls and women who are in the same situation that you once were, and you can love them without judgment the same way I loved you. And I, was, I still was like, nope, not doing it. And then he said, let your light so shine before all men that when they see your good works, they will glorify your father, which is in heaven. I heard it like it was someone right beside me. And as soon as I heard that, I just, I was like, okay, it hit me. I was like, this isn't about me. Like no. my life isn't about me. And that's, that's one thing I want everybody to understand. Like all of us who are listening to this, everyone who's listening to this, your life is not about you. It's about the people around you that you're able to inspire, encourage, and educate. And once you get that, it makes life a lot easier. It gives that courage that you need because you realize, okay, this isn't about me. So that night I started making some steps and I connected with an organization. I started doing peer support for girls who were being trafficked. And that's when I started going out. That's when I started going public with my story. Mm-hmm. And for me, living here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, when I found out that this is a recruitment hub, that Nova Scotia is a province, it's a recruitment hub, and that the majority of sex trafficking that happens in Canada starts in the East. So it starts here. And then it goes through underground networks to Ontario and then out west. That's how it works. And actually, Halifax has the highest rate of human trafficking in the entire country. So when I hear that, when I first heard that, it made me so, like a righteous anger came over me. And I'm like, Mm. yeah, not on my watch. Like, not on my watch. This is not going down like this. This is not going to stay like this. Like, why are we here? You know, God has planted us. God brought Mm. me back from Ontario for a reason. And then I learn about this. Mm. So my mission now is to let everybody know what is happening and not just Mm. let everybody know what is happening, but how, let people know how they can help. Let them Mm. know that it's important for the police to start arresting people who are buying sex because they're the ones that are fueling the demand. So when I learned that the, our local police department has only arrested two sex buyers since 2014, yeah, hands to, hands to the ground. I'm like, okay, give me some box of gloves. We're, let this, this is going, this just got real. Like this just got real to me. How can we have the highest rate of human trafficking in Canada, but yet you're not arresting the people who are purchasing sex from these children? They're children. They're, the average rate of recruitment into the sex industry in Canada is 12 to 13 years of age. So it's time to hold some people accountable. So it's, but it's not just Canada, whether you're in Australia, whether you're in the United States, 
whether you're in Mexico, this is a global issue. It's happening all over the world. And I promise you, wherever you're listening from, human trafficking is happening where you are. As long as the demand is not being addressed, vulnerable people are being exploited in your area, which means that people are being sexually exploited. Just this little listener's lecture. Yeah, I can just, my chest is burning. You know, it, it burns. I imagine as people are listening, you're, you're, you're feeling what Cheyenne is sharing somewhere physically in your body because it's so wrong. And, um, you know, I hope politicians are hearing this. I hope police and law enforcement people are hearing this. I hope pastors are hearing this. Like parents are hearing this. It is so awful that it's unimaginable and yet it's very real and uh and we need to work together to do something about it a couple of things i'm just going to track back and get your thoughts on a couple of things and we talked about it a bit bit earlier and i just want to give a shout out to gabby scholard who is a 19 year old beautiful young girl who uh has just written a book and i'm going to get her on the podcast here in the future but all about mental illness and and suicide and um I think her book is still here and uh, 365 reasons to stay alive and to fight against this, this sense of, of, of a loss of hope of worthlessness. And isn't it exciting that we have people willing to tell their story just like you, right? I mean, listen, when I hear that still here, like you can see the goosebumps on my arm, like still here. I love that. Like, as soon as I heard that, it's kind of like, no matter what I went through, I'm still here. Despite the darkness, despite the trials, despite the, the, all the situations, despite the fear, the anguish, everything I went through, I'm still here. Like, to me, it doesn't get more powerful than that. And for her at such a young age to get to a place where she can say, not only do I recognize this, but I'm actually going to sit down and tell this story so that it can encourage other people who are going through the same thing that I went through, that if you persist, you will remain. Just persist. Just a little progress every day. You're, and you're still here. I love, that's so encouraging to me to come from a teenager. That great. It's so encouraging. I can't <laughs> wait to get to I'm going to get the book and I'm going to make sure you two meet because both of you are powerhouses. You know, she came to faith uh, early. I don't know if she was like 10 or 12, which her dad came to faith and then she came to faith and, or I guess dad rediscovered his faith and then she came to faith. And it's just, just a beautiful story of the victory and the love of God and community. Yeah. And, and, but also again, telling your story, because even for you and I, I knew you before you were sharing your story. And I remember you called me and, and came and we had a chat and you told me your story. I, I, res, I didn't respect you less when you told me your story. Like I already cared about you. And you shared your story. I was just like, I felt so blessed that you would share it with me. And, and I just, again, admire your courage. Like I just, it just increased. It's like, yeah, you're a champion. And so one of the things, and this is what I want to say next is, is, is it's just is so inspiring. And one of the things that you were sharing with me the other day is that you really feel called to share your story because you just said these people are being trafficked or, or, or being groomed for trafficking or whatever the terms are yeah. at such a young age. And you want to be speaking into schools 
so that people can hear these messages and be set free. And, you know, and so tell me a little bit about that. Like, where's that coming from, that passion? And I know there are a ton of educators that listen to this podcast, and I hope they all call you because I know you're doing most of it virtually right now. And, and But anyway, talk, talk to us a little bit more about that the evolution of the call that God has in your life and what you're doing now. Okay. So I guess what I'll say first is, you know, I was um, – working for the government in a job that was great, but a job that I wasn't able, I I didn't feel as though I was giving of myself. And I kept coming back to a place where I was like, Cheyenne, like I knew that I was called to youth just in other things that I've done in different places of the world and my travels. I've always gravitated to the youth. You know, when you go on your mission trips and then everyone's running to the, with the, the church groups or wherever they're going, I, I took, I was in the back of the village teaching the, you know, the kids how to play duck, duck, goose, right? <laughs> They're like, yeah, where's Cheyenne? Something. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the back somewhere with those. That's how I spend my time. And so, you know, last year I got to a place where I was just like, you know what? I think, I think it's going to come to a, a point where I just need to step out in faith and do what I want to do for the people who I want to do it for. And when I thought about human trafficking, I wanted to go to, I want to get this thing to the root. And as I was sitting down there and I'm meditating on this, I'm thinking, okay, God, show me what the root is. You know, when we think about it's a, it's a a lack of love, a lack of value, what is going on? Well, first of all, there's, it's because, you know, you know, men aren't valuing women, boys aren't valuing girls. There's a, you know, this, this patriarchy and the stuff that is associated with us, the lack of value for human life. I I should say, you know, human trafficking happens to boys, girls. It's not just a. Yeah, it's not just against girls, but the majority of human sex trafficking that happens in in Canada is is older men taking advantage of younger children, younger female children. Okay, so that's why I'm speaking to that. Yeah. So I get to the place where I'm like, okay, let's get to the root of this. And I thought about it. Well, what would it look like if I could talk to those 10 great, you know, the 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old girls and boys? And, and help them to realize their value, help them to realize that no matter what they went through, no matter what challenges they've gone through or their face, it doesn't change who they are. Because, I mean, come on, so many kids are walking around with all these phones, all the social media, and it's just like this phony fake world saying you have to look like this, you have to talk like this, you have to be this in order to get these views. And if you have this amount of views and you're somebody, and if you don't have any views and you're not really anybody, but is that who you are? You ask these kids who they are, what will they like? What will they actually say to you? Like their identity is not in these things, although they think it is. If I have these things, it'll make me feel a certain way. I'll be respected by my peers, but that's not your identity. So my goal is to teach youth who they are. Is to not even teach them who they are, but to help them recognize their identity, recognize that their identity doesn't lie in these material things. We have to look, take a holistic approach. You have to take a spiritual approach. Mm-hmm. And in turn, also to let them know what is actually happening in the world around them, that they are, in fact, you can look at it is that they're being targeted. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, the majority of people, the, the recruitment age is 12 and 13 years old in Canada. And that goes right across the world. 
average age is 12 to 13. In some indigenous populations here in, in, in Canada, like out west, you'll hear stories of them being nine. Average age is nine and 10 years old. Like that's got to change. So when you understand who you, who you are, like I remember one time I was at a presentation and there was a Q&A afterwards. And one of the older men, he said, you know what? He said, ever since I was a little boy, every single time I saw my grandfather, he would take me, put, put me on his lap and he would tell me how much he loves me. He said, I grew up without a shadow of a doubt that my grandfather loved me. And because of that, he made certain decisions. And I remember standing on that stage going, that's it. Wow. You will make different decisions when you know you're loved. And when you don't think you're loved, you'll make other decisions. So let's get to those kids and let's show them that they're loved. So when a situation comes, when someone's trying to groom them, they may make a different decision. When somebody as a child comes and wants to start grooming somebody else, Maybe they'll make a different decision once they know that they themselves have some value and they were called to a purpose higher than this when they value each other. So my, what I love doing right now is getting into those schools, talking to children, encouraging, inspiring, just sharing back and forth. And because of my experience and my expertise when it comes to sexual exploitation and sex trafficking, like I meet them where they are. And they see me and they're like, okay, she went through that. She's not going to judge me. And they open up to me and they talk to me. And then we can go through, I can take them through a, a, a safety plan, a healing plan, because there's so many kids. I'm telling you, there are so many kids out there just waiting to talk to somebody who's not going to judge them. It's extremely important to open up our ears and listen to them before it's too late. And so. I love that. Uh, I love that you have the gift of talking to youth. I I, uh, I don't. And uh, my last trip to uh, one of the churches that I coach, I was invited to speak to the the junior high uh, kids at the school and in the Sunday school programs and stuff. And it always scares the daylights out of me because I don't have that gift, and, and they're not particularly generous with their uh, with their facial expressions and their body language. You'll hear a lot of amens, right? <laughs> So, so it, it feels like time off in purgatory for, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, I, I just also see that's my inadequacy, not theirs. And it was fun because the principal said, Hey, Ron, is there anything like, thanks for coming to speak. Is there anything that you want from us? And I thought, Oh, nobody's asked me that before. I said, yeah, when you get back to the class, could you just ask them to reflect if there's anything that stood out for them that landed? Because I, I don't get any feedback when I speak to young people, or at least that's how I feel. Maybe my, this speaks to my, my need or something, my neediness for that response from an audience. And anyway, um, and she did. And uh, she probably sent me about eight different notes that these young people put together. And it brought, I, brought, I started to cry. Like I had no idea I was getting through to these people. And, and so... I just thank God for that. I thank God that she asked that so that I could see that so that I won't be disappointed with what I'm not receiving in terms of feedback from that age group. But, but you have a gift, you have, you have a gift to speak to those people, to connect with those people. And that makes your ability to get your message of hope 
and, and connect with them that much more powerful. And so I'm really excited for this next chapter of your life as you begin to speak even more into that demographic that one, it's so important for them to hear this, but two, they're absolutely going to connect to you because you, your personality is so magnetic, so vibrant. I just, again, just enjoy being around you because I get so much energy off of you just because of your passion and your joy. And so I'm excited for people. So if, if educators are listening to this going, wow, that would actually be a really important component of, of what we bring to young people going forward. And they wanted to get in touch with you. How would that, what would that look like? Well, first they could go to my website if they're looking for an inspirational speaker or someone to give, you know, human trafficking awareness presentations. You can go to my website, www.cheyennejones.ca, and uh, I have it very easily set up. So you can just go to the contact me and you can then actually see the services that I offer. I do consultations, I do mentorship, and I do the awareness presentations. Now, actually, the mentorship came up because there are like there was three small schools in the South Shore here in Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them had a significant amount of human trafficking happening. And I was kind of surprised because it was such a small town. And so they we connected with two other smaller elementary schools. So there was three of us, and um, I was able to, and because of the amount of trafficking that was happening, what was happening is that they had a speaker come in before, but the speaker just spoke and then was gone. Mm. And then for me, I need to take things to a different level, to another level, to a deeper level, because like I said, I'm after the root. And Mm -hmm. so for me, what I do is I offer mentorship where when I go in and I speak to a school, we, we, We'll set something up where once a month we'll have a live phone call, a live conversation with me, and I'll get into it. Okay, so what's going on? What's happening now? Mm. Who's doing this? How is this person reacting? And I'll give them some strategies to work through that. I'll connect them through my network. So for the staff, the key staff people that are engaged in this, the teachers and stuff, that is so cool. That's right. The support system, because this is all about community. Because you have to remember, a trafficker is—it's just—it's you look you, when you look go into the wild and there's a predator coming. That predator is going after the weakest link, mm-hmm. and it's the same when it comes to human trafficking. The predator is going after the weakest link, the person who doesn't isn't surrounded by community, isn't surrounded by parents and a strong fence, right? So mm-hmm. my job, I look at, I take it very seriously. So when I hear that something happening, okay, we need to build a team around you. We need, so let, let's find your team and we need to educate your team on how to best support you. So mm-hmm. I, that's one of the, that's one of my favorite things because I feel like I'm right there with you. Like, that's mm-hmm. my thing. I'll always say, I'll, I'll walk through the fire with you as long, keep your heads forward. As long as your head's going forward, I'm going to walk through the fire with you, but I'm going to connect you to other people who can take you places I can't. And that's mm-hmm. how we build community. So you can go onto my website and look at the services I offer. You can uh, check out my social media and connect with me that way. And it's really cool now because of the way the world is set up that we're able to do things virtually. So um, it's, it's great that I'm able to connect with educators all over just through, just through Mm -hmm. screen and everybody can stay in there. It's so true. That's how I do the majority of my my coaching and, and so on as well. And, and so too, even as I'm listening to you, cause right away I'm thinking, Oh man, I, I, <laughs> again, I spoke with young people. And I always find that a bit 
daunting. Uh, but man, that's your passion. That's your call. I'm thinking, oh, let's get this girl in front of every class possible. But, and not, but, and I also think as you were just describing that, I'm thinking, man, if I'm a principal, I might actually have you do a virtual presentation to my, to my uh, team, like to the teachers. Yeah, like this absolutely. is almost a conversation like, boy, we could have this one first before we have the other one as well as after, you know, in terms yeah. of that follow-up plan, that, that kind of mentoring these people to help them understand the moving parts. Yeah, that's so cool. That's just yeah. such an important one. Absolutely. I mean, we have some great teachers. There's some great educators who want to help. They know that mm-hmm. sex trafficking can happen or human trafficking is happening, but they don't know what to do. They don't know. They may think that they, they may recognize some changes happening within a certain student, but they don't know how to approach that person because they don't want to offend them or scare them. Or the person's only coming to school once a week anyway. So if they think that a teacher knows that they're being trafficked, they'll leave. Right. There are certain ways to approach that situation mm-hmm. and having conversations. Um, you know, when I have conversations with the, with educators and, and parents and teachers, I'm able to show them here is a better approach. Mm. here's a better approach and it takes away the stress and the fear and you realize, Oh, okay. We can have this conversation. We just have to go at it a different way. Love it. But the only way we're going to do this is together, like together, we're stronger together. We have to go out. We have to talk with support teams. We have to talk with the educators. It's not just about the students, but it's about building a team of community around them. I love that. And that's what I love (laughs) <laughs> and you're good at it. You're really good at it. So fun to have this conversation today. I, I hope I'll get you back and we'll continue to talk more about this. But in the meantime, you know, if, if there's a parent listening to this and, and and they're concerned about where their kids are at in terms of their self-esteem or, or maybe whatever, like what message would you want to give to young people or to parents in terms of what God might want to say to them for hope? First of all, I want you to remember that the book of Psalms says he he heals the brokenhearted and binds their wounds. He heals them. He'll bind their wounds. When I I discovered Jesus Christ 23 years ago, while my daughter was in my pregnant belly on the night, on the eve of an abortion that I had planned for her, wasn't my mom or my grandmother or my father or anybody else around me. It was him. He's the one that interceded. He's the one that came in and healed my broken wounds. The best thing you can do is pray for your children. Keep an open line of communication. When that child walks out your door, let them know that they can always come back, no matter how mad, upset you are with them. Let them know they can always come back to you and trust that God is going to heal their broken wounds. After all, those children of yours belong to him and not you. They're just on loan. Cheyenne, thank you so much for your time today. And God will continue to bless your new ministry. And uh, yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today, Ron. Let's commit to praying for Cheyenne and the call that God's put on her life to help with this very important issue. Thank you for listening. And thank you for leading well. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.